Hello, you are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Aber with Environmental Defense Fund, and today I am missing my partner in crime, Simone Malaz, with Restore Retreat. She is busy doing the great work of helping to restore our coast and has an important meeting today that uh, we couldn't work around, but we certainly miss her, um, but are glad that she is you know, focused on getting important things done. Um, but I am so excited to bring on a first-time guest to Delta Dispatches that we haven't had on the show, but someone who folks likely know well, and we've had the opportunity to work with in the past at Restore the Mississippi River Delta to talk about the Barataria Terrebonne National Estuary Program. So T. Bradley Keith is the director of the Barataria Terrebonne National Estuary Program, or BITNEP as it's often referred to. Um, And he joined uh, late in January um, as their new director. So we're excited to talk to him about his new role, um, as well as the, the estuary program and Barataria and Terrebonne Basin. So without further ado, I'd like to bring on um, to Delta Dispatches, first time guest, but hopefully you'll be a repeat and regular guest, T. Brad. Um, welcome, to Delta, welcome to Delta Dispatches, T. Bradley. Hi, Jacques. It's great to be here. It's a pleasure talking to you. So it's it's great to have you on, and you know, like I said, you've had a long um, history working on issues related to the coast, but other issues related to you know just the state of Louisiana in general in a variety of different capacities. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and what brought you to the position as director of BITNAP. Uh, well, I uh, have had a uh, kind of a a varied career. I started off as a uh, journalist back when there were newspapers. Y'all might recall those. <laughs> and uh, I, I guess I attracted the attention of our then state treasurer, uh, Mary Landrieu, asked me to join her staff in the, uh, in the state. Um, after that, I worked with a number of different firms in the corporate communications role before being asked back uh, by then Senator Mary Landrieu to lead her um, staff uh, as her state director. I did that for uh, you know 20 years and um, uh, well 20 years all told with her with the state and with the federal. And in that capacity, um, I led the team that uh, handled all constituent issues, but we were also keen on showing other members of the Senate uh, our unique state, our working coast, and uh, why we need the resources um, to help protect it. Uh, so I had the pleasure of working with a, a team that put together the CARA bill, uh, which eventually became the GOMESA bill. Uh, that's the Domenici Landrieu Gulf of Mexico Energy Security Act. And we've just started to enjoy the fruits of that work just uh, two years ago now that the money has started to hit uh, our state's coffers. Uh, also uh, worked on the Restore Act, which helped uh, with the large uh, settlement that we got from the uh, BP oil spill. Um, worked on the legislation that brought that um, to the state. And, you know, all the work that everybody's done together um, helped put together uh, the plans, uh, the, uh, the CPRA and then the masterpiece we have, the state, uh, the, the coastal master plan, uh, was in place. And then when the funding finally came available, then we were able for the first time 
we had money to go with the plans. And I think that um, all of us working together has really, uh, really, really started to make a difference that everyone in the state can see. You know, T. Brad, uh, it must be so interesting to have that perspective of being in a place where you're kind of helping craft legislation, move legislation forward, you know, thinking about some GOMESA or the Restore Act, to now seeing the fruits of those efforts, right, on the ground working in the Barataria Turbone um, Estuary and seeing kind of the work that's being funded as a result of those efforts years ago. So what is, what is that experience like for you? Well, it, it, it's, it's wonderful. Um to uh, seeing like so many of us to do this work. Everybody's been in it for a long time and to see the fruit of that labor um, uh, emerge now is just super exciting. I um, had been doing some independent consulting for the last uh, five or six years and very happy and got to do a number of things. But this opportunity came open, Jacques, and I looked at it and I, I thought it would I really miss being part of a uh, of a team that was on the ground and uh, was attracted to that opportunity. And I've been trying to make the uh, most of it and um, very, very excited about the work that BitNet does and where we want to try to go in the future. Um, I was with, uh, you know, a couple months ago with the governor and, uh, you know, Brent Haas and Chipquan from CP CPRA um, out on Trinity Island seeing the newest land in America being built. Very, very exciting to see that uh, spoil come uh, from 20-something miles offshore. It was very exciting. And that was like at the bottom of our estuary. Um, so we extend all the way up uh, to Point Capi Parish. We've got 16 parishes that are part of uh, the uh, of BitNips uh, footprint. And from top to bottom, uh, water quality is our concern, and uh, just there's many things we're doing to try to have an impact on that. Yeah, I mean, that experience, and I've had the pleasure of being out on a recently restored barrier island, and there's nothing like seeing, you know, that, that kind of sediment being pumped, and the, the land's a little soft at first, but then it kind of gradually hardens, and you see that kind of this massive island that's been restored, and of course, that's just one of many projects, like you said, all up and down the estuary that are moving forward. But I do want to dig in and talk a little bit about BitNEP. Um, and so BitNEP has a long history. You and I were talking about this recently. I mean, there are a lot of groups that are working on coastal issues now, but BitNEP really was one of the first in a lot of ways. So tell us a little bit about the organization, um, you know, some, a, bit, a bit about its history and then some of where you all focus currently. Sure, sure. So um there are 28 national estuary programs, and we were formed as part of the Clean Water Act in 1987. Uh, BitNEP, uh, I guess, was chartered in uh, 1990, and so it truly has, it is the oldest uh, coastal organization uh, in the state. Uh, we are organized under what we call a management conference, and it's this diverse group of voices from the estuary. It's business and industry and uh, civic groups and uh, agriculture, seafood, and just regular citizens that come together to help shape the direction of the projects that we do uh, on behalf of the EPA to ensure clean water, uh, which is our primary mission, and for sustainable clean water 
to support, um, you know, our culture, our seafood industry, our recreation, agriculture, everything that uh, business and industry need. So it, it's a it's a huge mission, and it's a um, uh, like I said, it's four point two million acres, so it's a, a very big footprint. That's a massive footprint, and you mentioned the number of parishes that are involved, um, and so. You know, in terms of the a national estuary program, program is BitNet the only national estuary program in Louisiana? And can you talk a little, a little bit more? You yes. mentioned the Clean Water Act, but how these programs are started? I imagine they're kind of all over the country. There are different national estuary programs. There are. Um, we are the only one in Louisiana. We're very fortunate to have it. Um, uh, there's uh, several in Texas. There's uh, one in Mobile, then several in Florida. They go up the East Coast, uh, a lot of them concentrated in New England, and then in the Pacific Northwest. Um, the estuary, you know, they're, they're unique environments, as you know, Jacques, they're, they're very fragile ecosystems where the uh, salt water and, and fresh water come together to form just this rich, rich ecosystem that um, supports um, uh, just incredible bounty of uh, marine life. And so protecting that and making sure that it is there for our people to, uh, to, to thrive with. And so we've tried to nurture that. And there's going to be a number of challenges. Um, it's interesting, Jacques, that, you know, you, you and I, we've all been part of a team that's worked to protect the coast for so long. We always hear that, um, you know, the football field a minute or the every hundred minutes of the land lost. Well, what I did not know until recently, or never had just thought about, 85% of all of Louisiana's land loss happens in the Barataria Terrebonne National Estuary, right here in these two basins. So there's a, there's a lot um, at stake here for the people and the industries that call this home. Absolutely. And, you know, that that is, you know, a, a sobering statistic, of course, and one that folks may not be aware of in terms of the concentration of land loss and really how significant it is to that whole region, you know, in terms of the people, wildlife and jobs. Right. So Absolutely. let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, um, so land loss in the in the estuary, you know, what are some of the other significant threats or related threats as a result of, of that? ongoing crisis? Well, uh, you know, obviously with the um, land loss comes all the danger from uh, storm inundation, you know, that combined with subsidence has left uh, large, large tracts of our coastland vulnerable. Um, we also, uh, but the exciting news is that um, there's so much work that is being done here. I mentioned the barrier islands. I mentioned all the Kind of coastal restoration pieces that are going on but you know a lot of people here are nervous about what the the large diversion the barataria sediment uh, diversion what that will mean um, this area um, of course uh, stands to gain what the, most of the perceived benefit right of land building um, but also we're going to have the most serious impacts and that is going to be an ongoing source of concern and study. And, um, and it, we've really got to have strong engagement on those issues to make sure that, you know, we're going into uncharted territory. Every, it's very 
necessary for us to do everything we can to build land, but we're just going to have to be monitoring uh, very closely what that's going to mean uh, on water quality moving forward. Right. And, you know, I mean, I think you kind of really talked about it in the beginning about just kind of the threat of ongoing land loss, but then, you know, the need to kind of bring people together um, to understand kind of what's happening, ongoing monitoring, um, all of those efforts to really um, hone in on, you know, what, what is the future for Barataria, Terrebonne um, Estuary, given that we know, you know, a future without actions, not great, but then, you know, you, you have to kind of be able to work with nature and what we're given to kind of rebuild back what, some of what's been lost. So Absolutely. I want to talk a little bit, T. Brad, about the work you all do to bring some of these stakeholders together. So across government, business, conservation organizations, communities, you know, can you talk a little bit about that work and why it is so important um, to bring people together and, and, and as we seek to address, you know, land loss, sea level rise, all these other issues? One of the uh, uh, special things about BitNEP is that we have the largest, most diverse coalition of people gathered around these issues. Um, there, you often see conferences and things like that that attempt to do just that. But it's part of our structure. This management conference is key to everything that BitNEP does. And the interesting, Jacques, is there is like, it's a consensus-driven organization, but as you can imagine, there's a lot of competing interests within that family, right? <laughs> so, um, uh, in like any uh, large group of people, there is just so many different opinions. Um, so that is both the richness and the challenge, frankly, of uh, of, of moving forward with consensus. Um, generally speaking, not everybody is happy with uh, directions that uh, BitNEP wants to go or has gone in the past. Uh, but what is important and what is invaluable is that what, what you described, Jacques, it is that uh, group of people and it's, uh, it's unique and it's uh, actually it's a, a very valuable commodity to be able to gather and get the input from so many you know, but experts in so many different fields. So I'm just learning. I've only done one management conference meeting. Uh, we have another one this week and uh, I'm trying to find my way. And, uh, you know, they, they let me, they let me hear about it. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, T. Brad, in a lot of ways, I mean, it's kind of a, a microcosm of the larger Louisiana coast, right? There's so Absolutely. many, you know, people that use our coast and, you know, where the coast is, provides value in different ways. I mean, it could be storm surge protection, it could be, you know, recreation, it could be their livelihoods, wildlife, et cetera, water quality, um, so many issues. So I'm sure as you engage further, learn more, you know, the, the lessons you learn will really be valuable to all of us working on, on Coastal Louisiana. I wanna ask, you know, you mentioned kind of thinking about collaboration within your region and kind of across the coast. Do you get to collaborate and kind of share lessons with some of your uh, National Estuary Program buddies uh, across the country and, and you know, how do, are they interested in the work that's happening in Louisiana? And, and, you know, are you learning from what they're doing maybe, you know, in New England, for example? Absolutely. Um, so there was a strong association of National Estuary Programs, very original, um, but they're very um, well organized. They're very well supported. 
And within this particular administration, Jacques, uh, you know, EPA has taken a, a, a more active role. And within EPA, the National Estuary Programs are really a story to tell. We were just in this last Congress, um, uh, you know, I guess reauthorized and at a, on a higher funding level. So these, uh, the EPA uses the estuary programs as like a, a laboratory really for all these citizen driven, you know, types of interventions and ways to help uh, the estuary. So you take all the things that each of the 28 programs are doing and you have, you know, you have quite the spice rack of, uh, of different uh, things going around the country. Uh, we are trying to, um, Louisiana has something unique of all the estuary programs, BITNEP does, and that is we formed a partnership uh, in Minnesota, of all places, um, to uh, work to change or to establish best practices, uh, agricultural practices, fertilizer runoff and such, uh, that affects us down here at the bottom and throughout our estuary. And EPA really loves that model and we've started to expand it. We're now working uh, with Iowa on the same thing. And so that is, that is the type of um, uh, you know, flexibility that we have to try things like that. And I think that it's going to be a, a, a real valuable uh, demonstration. That sounds like an incredible opportunity, right? To collaborate, to kind of help some of our neighbors, whether they're along the coast, um, you know, or upstream, uh, understand, you know, the opportunities and challenges to work together to address some of these really big issues. And, you know, we've seen that, whether it's through kind of statewide chief resilience officers, or, you know, even other forms of kind of collaboration through programs like yours, that there is this need, you know, clearly estuaries around the, the world are threatened by sea level rise, by climate change, um, and are, you know, the specifics might be different, but in terms of the need to preserve some of these really vital uh, ecosystems for the future, that certainly unites everyone. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that there is that connection, um, both in thinking about it from a, from a kind of a coastal perspective, but also from a riverine perspective. Um, and hopefully, you know, with you working in there, you can make sure Louisiana's needs are accounted for. So that, that's really great, T. Brad. I'll tell you one thing that we're, uh, what we're hoping to become, Jacques, is um, uh, first of all, we want to expand uh, understanding of, of the estuary, uh, of our work on behalf of the estuary by involving more people. I mentioned the management conference, but it's a generational thing. Um, younger people aren't really aware of these issues. And so there's a real, um, uh, there's going to be a real effort to try to create awareness for, you know, our estuary as we're uh, calling it. Um, trying to uh, bring in a new generation of understanding. We have lots of education, you know, for uh, students and there's a lot of teacher programs and such, but there is that, um, that young professional group, you know, that um, maybe not quite as engaged in these issues as folks that have worked on it for many, many years and those who are being now educated about it. So we try to reach out through a number of uh, different uh, events. Uh, you know, we have the Bayou Paddle, which um, uh, folks are aware of. We do big cleanup projects there and out on Elmer's Island. Um, so 
we're going to try to engage uh, a new generation of people through those type of outreach. And one of the things I think that uh, BitNet can do even better than it has is to um, strengthen partnerships, um, you know, throughout the estuary uh, with other organizations. Uh, for instance, we have the uh, Bible Fruits Fresh Water District led by uh, Ben Malbro. Um, they're doing incredible things. We have the Friends of Bible Fruits. And so we're all going to team together on doing the big events. Um, and I think it's going to open it up. And uh, I think it's going to create a, uh, a, a whole new following uh, for some of these issues. Yeah, I love that idea. And, you know, we've had Ben and Ryan um, from Friends by Lafouche um, on the, the show in the past. And he's talked about, you know, kind of helping people rethink their connection to Bayou Lafouche, right? It's not just kind of your backyard, but it's this vital waterway and kind of getting people back out on the bayou and, and understanding its importance to, you know, everything from drinking water to fishing and recreation and habitat, et cetera, um, and commerce, right? right? So um, we would be happy to promote anything you all are doing. So keep us posted. But, oh, but what are some of those those areas? Yeah, I mean, that you really foresee as you're kind of in your new role, wanting to focus in and, and expand in the future. You mentioned bringing people together, water quality, um, you know, focusing in on the next generation. Are there any other upcoming opportunities you want to highlight? Sure, sure. Uh, well, uh, I'll give uh, uh, Ben and Ryan uh, a plug here. There is going to be a, a parade celebrating the uh, removal of the weir right here in Thibodeau uh, that had kind of blocked the bayou for the last 60 years. Now, you know, it's free to go uh, up and down. You, uh, canoe, you don't have to portage any longer. So that's going to be an exciting thing on August 28th. Uh, but for, for, the, for the future of BitNet, what I see is us concentrating on what we do really well. Um, water quality, of course, we're doing uh, groundbreaking work in the Bayou Bafouche and Bayou Falls uh, watersheds. Um, uh, and it, it, it's very labor intensive and uh, it's scalable. So with uh, more wire scientists that we're going to be hiring, we'll be able to do even more. Um, native plant uh, production. We have a facility at the Nickel State Farm. They're uh, just a wonderful partner. And we are actually doubling that entire footprint now as we speak, Jacques. And I'd love to take you all there sometime. Um, over the years, uh, we have a 20 year record of like plantings in the coastal ridges uh, down by Port Fouchon comes to mind. And so there's a real wealth of knowledge about what plants work best and which salinities and what conditions. And so that's an area where BitNep is really leads. And then a, a final, uh, you know, we've got a, a strong, strong birding program that we work in in conjunction with uh, Autumn and another uh, uh, other institutions, but we're um, hired by Fish and Wildlife and CPRA to do uh, many of the impact studies in that arena. Um, and then finally, I think that there's a real uh, opportunity for uh, BitNEP in, uh, in sustainability marine debris removal, which we've been very involved in. And uh, there's a big concentration in that area of the EPA. Uh, there's an opportunity right now where we're um, seeking um, uh, a, a big grant that would help with sustainable uh, sustainability in Mardi Gras parades and such to try to keep some of the 
plastic, you know, foreign plastic beads that just end up in the sewers and then out through the river and the lake and into the Gulf. And um, it's a very innovative uh, approach to that problem, but I think it's one that, uh, uh, that we may be able to shine a light on. Well, T. Brad, certainly are, uh, there's no shortage of important work that you're focused on. And so you're, of course, very busy and we appreciate your time. I have a few final questions for you, but I want to make sure to get a plug in for where people can go to learn more about BitNap and support your work. So um, can you give us your website and all those good details? Sure, sure. It's uh, real simple as www.bitnep.org, B-T-N-E-P.org. You go in there and there's just a wealth of information. Uh, too much, actually. We're <laughs> <laughs> uh, working on that as well. Well, certainly just a reflection of all the great work that's going on and, and certainly hope folks can go to your website and learn more and get involved. Um, so a few final questions. You know, I, I did want to ask, I mean, you're someone both kind of, as you mentioned in in your journalism years and then kind of moving on into more of on the policy side um, who has been focused on on public service throughout your career and and we like to highlight on on delta dispatches the opportunity for that next generation to get involved carry forward the mental mantle and, and and really dig in realizing you know things can sometimes in these days be partisan and difficult when you think about public service and, and kind of government um, you know what would be your message to you know that future, you know, policy wonk or future journalist, um, someone who wants to really dig in and help, um, you know, improve some of these big issues that are that are hanging over our heads. Uh, what advice would you give to that person about, you know, considering a career in public service? Well, the first thing I would uh, just look around you and uh, get involved, um, you know, in, in all the different ways you can to help protect um, the area where we live and protect your environment. It, it affects everything and you really can uh, make a difference. I mean, I, you know, Jacques from y'all's work, just any, any volunteer who goes out there just gets an understanding that you can get nowhere else. And with that understanding comes a desire, a real desire to help. And I think that's where all uh, service, be it from the private sector or public service comes from. Um, we spend an awful lot of effort, uh, I mentioned earlier, in educational programs and in trying to reach out in non-traditional um, uh, areas of the, of the state and even of the cities where people have not been uh, as connected uh, to these coastal issues, issues impacting the uh, estuary. It impacts everybody. It has nothing to do with party or political <laughs> affiliations, or whether someone is, you know, what socioeconomic uh, group you belong to. It, it, it's, the, it's universal. And so that's the message that we try to bring to diverse audiences, that this is, this is for everyone, uh, including yourself and your family and all future generations. I don't, I don't know how there can be a, um, a more, um, profound calling than that. And I think that that word gets out and more and more people will be part of it. Very well said, um, T. Brad. And, and, you know, that's definitely something I know Simone and I have tried to focus on on this show is to just highlight how the coast uh, is so important to so many people across our state and, and country, really. And, and you know, um, 
that it impacts us all and we all need to work together to address it. So we appreciate the work you and your organization are doing um, in that regard and would love to have you back at any point to, to promote and highlight some of that work. So, you know, we do have a tradition on Delta Dispatches. Um, you know, the fun question, I, I will I will get in trouble with my boss, Simone, if I don't ask you. Um, but um, I, I guess I'm going to do a two-part fun question this week because, you know, there's the Jacques fun question and then there's the Simone fun question. And I just feel like, you know, I have to speak for both of us today. So, so T-Brad, so tell me, I guess, for the, for the Jacques less fun question, um, as a former journalist, what is a story, what was a story that you just, you know, was your favorite story to cover? Or conversely, what is a story you wish you had an opportunity to cover? Well, I tell, I tell you one that comes to mind. Um, uh, I was the, uh, worked for the U.S. Senate at the time of Katrina. And, um, you know, we were bombarded with all the human interest stories and uh, all the tragedies that, that, that followed that event. But uh, I think a story that would have been wonderful to be able to tell is um, so much of the um, extraordinary effort that was made uh, and the decisions that were made regarding that recovery. Um, so much went on uh, behind the scenes that I was privy to decisions, good and bad. And that would have been uh, a heck of a story to tell. Yeah, I mean, that, that time, I can't imagine uh, what it must have been like, you know, to be on the ground working in that space. And we've had others on the show who have reflected on that moment in our state's history and, and kind of what it, it's meant and the impact it had, you know, on them and the broader region. So certainly something we cannot forget about, we need to keep remembering so that hopefully we continue to um, do better and avoid that situation going forward and realizing really, as you were saying earlier, just what's at stake to our whole region um, and the importance to kind of continue the import the work that your organization's doing and so many good people are doing to address coastal land loss. So that's a great answer, T. Brad. And I do want to bring in uh, on a lighter note, uh, Simone's version of the fun question. Um, and I'm going to channel my best Simone now, but what, <laughs> T. Brad, what is the best thing you have eaten since taken over as director of BitNap, and it has to be within the vicinity of the Barataria Terrebonne uh, region. So what's the best food you've had uh, in the region in the last six months? Oh boy. Uh, well, uh, Simone, uh, if, if it, well, I haven't seen you in a while, but if you saw my uh, my waistline, you would you would know that I'd have, I'd have a hard time answering that. <laughs> I think that, um, a lot of seafood, uh, obviously. Um, some that, um, I had, um, I had uh, a meal the other night that was like this big glazed pork that somebody had, you know, somebody had actually been a hunter gatherer and they uh, had hunted the pig and they had. I uh, grown the figs, and that was a spectacular meal, straight from your estuary. Uh, well, that sounds amazing. And I will say, um, we had the honor of having Chef Randy Sheremy from um, the John Foltz Culinary Institute at Nichols on the show, and one of my favorite episodes. But I hope, for your sake, T. Brad, that you've had some time or will schedule some time to go check out the, the work that they're doing at the Nichols. I absolutely have. Uh, as you know, our office is located right here on the Nichols campus. 
and I have availed myself of several of their uh, nights where they feature different menus. It's fabulous. One of the perks of the job, as we were talking about, in addition to getting out and exploring the estuary. Well, T-Brad, thank you so much again. I know you're, you're very busy, so we appreciate your coming on and talking to us about the great work of BitNAP as you kind of um, take over as the director and look to the future. As a reminder, folks can go to bitnap.org to learn more about the organization and get involved and support it. And we'd love to have you back at any point. What a pleasure. It was great talking to you, Jacques, and I'll give some of my best. I certainly will. And with that, I will take on our coastal stat of the week, um, which is relevant to today's episode. So what is known about the rate of habitat conversion and ultimately land loss in the coastal areas of the Barataria and Terrebonne basins is that it is alarmingly high. According to USGS, a study done in 2010, um, the Barataria Terrebonne estuary has lost a total of 865 square miles since 1935. So that kind of emphasizes what T. Bradley Keith was saying about really the concentration in, in that region and what's at stake. Um, and then on our coastal voice of the week, this week comes from Catherine in New Orleans, who says, our coast holds so much significance in terms of culture, food, protection, and more. I have lived in South Louisiana my whole life, and I never want to leave this unique land I call home. It's our coast, and it's our future, and we need to fight for it. And I can't think of a better way to end the show than with Catherine's words. And a reminder, you can go to MississippiRiverDelta.org slash restore dash the dash coast. Share your voice, and we'll share it with, with the folks here on Delta Dispatches. So thank you again, T-Brad, for joining. Um, thank you to Simone in absentia. We look forward to having you back on soon. And we'll be bringing you more great content on Delta Dispatches in the weeks ahead. Until then, we'll see y'all later, alligators. 